everybody out there back to the worst devil episode 13 we haven't been on the mic in a while but we have denise in the house going to talk about the nuances of either thinking about or just starting a divorce what kind of pearls can you elude to our listeners i like that pearls listeners is this being recorded <laughs> yes it is did you want so to go ahead want to just do more than just say denise i mean like my friend denise is back and then i could say hi hello my friend denise is back on the mic and we miss denise but we're so happy to have her back with us today thank you take david it, denise. <laughs> take it denise thank you david i'm glad to be back i'm not gonna edit any of that too by the way <laughs> all right i'm ready <clears throat> can you rephrase the question again nuances of either thinking about or just starting a divorce what are your thoughts on that what can we what can we as friends have gone through two awesome divorces? True. Tell other people what to expect, things to look out for, how to get prepared, not too technical things, just some some pretty basic things to think about before even pulling that trigger sometimes. Well, I think just within your first uh, topic, the nuances of either thinking about it or just starting a divorce that time frame between thinking and actually implementing could be a day. It could be 10 years. So I think that would be something one would want to address initially. So if you were speaking to someone, I would think that would be good information. Cause you so, could, so you could be ticked off at your spouse and think, oh, my God, I'm going to get divorced and ponder it in your mind where clearly we live by ourselves, right? Oh, yes, we do. Absolutely. So I think that could be an interesting conversation is how long, if you were to interview people, what would people say from the time that I thought about it to where I actually implemented it? it. For me personally, um, it probably, without me bringing it to the forefront, maybe had been brewing for about a year or so, and then all of a sudden, it just sort of hit me. It was sort of an epiphany. And even then... I still thought with uh, <clears throat> filing the di- or uh, serving the divorce papers that maybe it could still work, even though he wasn't willing to do counseling or any of that. But, and then of course, all those stages that we all go through, like my friend now who's going through it, denial, anger, doubt, regret, those are all steps that all of us go through until the process is completely over. And then sometimes there's a little bit of uh, residual too. You know... I think kids play a big part of that in making that decision sometimes. Let they be young or old, they can still play a part because you are destroying or you're segmenting the family unit. Sure. If you're doing it first, then you have that label of being the bad guy. And sometimes you have to buck up and be the bad guy and you have to do it. Right. Because everybody needs to be happy. Absolutely. And if you're not happy, you know, other people, that's actually not other people's job to make you happy. I think I read that somewhere, that that your happiness is your own job. Right. But if you can't be happy with that person, then maybe it's time to go. Well, and, and creating your own happiness also happens easier if you have a support group that encourages nourishing that person. You know, if you have a spouse and let's say you just wanted to write a book, maybe. And he or she was not supportive of it. That can be very dampening, very detrimental to the relationship if that's reoccurring. Chances are, if that is, if it happened once, it's probably happened many times. And that's probably part of the reason as well why you decided to get divorced. The lack of emotional support. 
Because they didn't act right. They didn't support you. Exactly. Hmm. So I think my thing is uh, in my journey Mm -hmm. of getting divorced and uh, I was actually pulled the trigger on. I was pulled the trigger on twice. I'm a lucky guy. With the same spouse. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. One, (laughs) One spouse pulled the trigger twice. Uh, the first trigger, I, I was able to elude and smooth it over. The second trigger is, hey, let's go. You know, enough's enough. So the difference between you and I, you pulled the trigger and I was pulled the trigger on. So where do you think those differences are? You know, you still have the same result. Sure. But I think the mindset's a little different where I'm playing defense and you're playing offense. You know what I mean? Like I- if you're playing the, if you're pulling the trigger, I think you're playing offense. I think, I, well, clearly, <clears throat> excuse me, I can only speak for myself. I think initially when I was doing all of this, I was hoping on some level that it would be a wake-up call and that he would think, oh, my God, she's serious about this and perhaps <clears throat> be willing to change things. But then that never occurred, which then I realized Probably sometime later, not until I found out that while we were going through our divorce, he was living with his girlfriend. I realized then that it's a done deal. It's a done deal, and and I think I I, I think what's un- unfortunate, at least for my situation, is that everybody tells you, such as even here, you say never um, do all you can to stay married. I thought I was, but you know what? Only. One person trying to do he or she as much as they can isn't going to bring any success. If you have a non-participant, it's not going to happen. So then you have to come to terms with those emotions as well. But on the same card, though, I think if you do all you can to stay married, like I told you before, you don't go back later and say, hey, I should have done this. But you did everything that you could. Right. So you checked all the boxes. That's true. You did all the work and said, hey, here we we are. Let's. Let's do this. And I feel as though I did that. So in that, of all the different facets that I was going through, that was probably the least of my worry because I felt as though I had done the best that I could. That's an interesting thing that you said earlier about uh, getting a wake-up call. I think I would love to see how many divorces start with a wake-up call. You know what I mean? Because I think mine was a wake-up call. She was trying to wake me up, you know, but I was already awake, of course. Right. Um, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, how many divorces are actually a wake up call? It's almost like a cry for help. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that would be interesting statistics. You know what I'm saying? Is that's the work to do. If you find, well, and actually, that would probably be something good to do at the divorce recovery is to ask that question, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of create, uh, some, uh, what do you call it? Just some information so you can build some kind of statistics, you know. I'd be a stat. Yeah. I'd work for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think, you know, some of the other things that you've highlighted here is uh, another interesting question. Is it possible to live together when going through the divorce? Want me to take that? Please, sir. Please, please not take that. That's, that's one of my favorite subjects. So, the second time, and same person uh, going through the divorce, and she pulled the trigger, and she looks me in the face. She goes, well... Since uh, I'm the woman, you have to leave the house. <laughs> I said, uh, okay. She goes, are you leaving? I said, no. I said, can you show me the playbook? <laughs> show me the divorce playbook where the guy has to leave the house. And she she backed off. So I moved downstairs in the home theater. Got uh, There was a futon down there. So I got some Egyptian sheets. 
and nice pillowcases, and I slept down there. I mean, it was great sleep, too. I saw my kids off to school every morning. Right. I, I saw them every night. We kind of had family segmented dinner, which was kind of strange. Right. Um, every now and then, she would come downstairs for a booty call, which I totally said, no, thank you, <laughs> because I have I have morals. Yes, like right. That. <laughs> that you do. <laughs> morals and things like that so from that standpoint i was really happy to stay in the house with my kids you know we had a dog then uh cleo was around Uh, you know the kids were a little bit in turmoil but it was less turmoil because i I was there and i saw them every day right and we lived together there probably about four or five months and i think some of that might have to do if you have the luxury of having a home to where you could divide it up like that. Um, and if your kids are a bit younger, mine were off in college. So that day-to-day routine was not necessary to maintain. Yeah, it's just you and him. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And it's funny. Another thing oh, that I just now thought about as we were talking about this In those nuances of thinking about divorce and just starting it somewhere in that little bit of a journey or spectrum, your spouse also gets put into a friend zone. You know, very few will still have booty calls while things are going on, just saying out loud. Mm. So, again, I realized at some point we were just friends, almost sisters and brothers, probably more sisters and brothers, because there's always a little bit of squabbling with siblings, right? Mm. So I saw that also arise. Now that I hear myself talking about it. Mm. So how long did you guys live together before? Well, if I was to go back to when I first thought about it, maybe a year, but I don't I, know I mean, if he, from the he time was aware you pulled of it. the trigger until you moved out. Uh, a few months. Okay. Same bit? No. Oh. Actually, I I retract that. I started in October through Christmas where it got really ugly and with my birthday and then up until February. So, yes, I take that back. We did in the same room. Wow. So, tell us about uh, one of your um, uh, men friends that you went out on one of your dates with uh, had a very keen uh, uh, view on 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 when the marriage goes bad. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for bringing that one up, David. So he's actually was kind of an interesting man. We've met twice. The first time was through match, and that was fine. And <clears throat> clearly, I came across as a hot mess. And then he sort of popped up on my Facebook profile, and I couldn't figure out how he got there, because underneath, it didn't give us like any mutual connection. And then that's when I learned Facebook, actually, if you have friends, they tap into your uh, contact list. And that's how he popped up because I still had his phone number. So I reached out to him to meet again for a drink after work. And uh, we sat there. And that's when I found out that he actually got divorced because he had cheated. And then, you know, my ex too was also a very successful businessman, traveled a lot, blah, blah, blah. And so this gentleman said, Can you remember the last time you had sex with your husband? Well, that kind of surprised me, and it took me a moment. 
especially since I'm not one who can just talk openly with strangers, if you will, about sex and this and that. It's not a stranger. That's two dates. Oh, Come that's on. right. What In today's world, we were almost married. So there uh, we go. Were, so anyhow, after like, I... That's com- like low intimacy. <laughs> after I finally <laughs> composed myself, I said, I probably could, in all honesty, create a timeline. And he kind of looked at me, and he sort of paused for a second, and he goes, Denise, that's when you should have filed divorce. And I think at that time is when I started salivating and my jaw must have dropped. And then on the way home, and even since I've shared some many other things that he shared with me, and I thought, you know, from all the people I've met, he has given me the most insight. A, he also told me that many successful men, when they're out and about and conferences and traveling and blah, 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 he says, if you're not having sex with your spouse, it's out there and readily available for whoever wants it. In my my world where I, yeah, okay, let's make fun now. But in my world where I was at home taking care of the kids, the bills, the financing, it was not in the forefront of my mind that perhaps my ex was out having sex with someone else. Honestly, I didn't think about that. But that's not the norm. What's not the norm? What he says can't can't always be the norm. He oh, just I, has I, an opinion. No, so, I believe yeah. it's the norm. Uh, I'm hearing more and more stories. Absolutely, no. it might not be the more the norm for a couple who's living in Colorado Springs, or he or she doesn't really go far from the area, maybe to a concert or something up in Denver. But for these guys who are out and about, or women, let me say it doesn't just have to be men. I have found out since then, even people that he worked with, I thought, oh my god. They're doing it. (laughs) You know, you're out, you're drinking, you're having a good time. And as a friend of mine once told me, shit happens. Mm. Wow. Yep. It's a whole different world. And apparently, to be honest, when I was younger, that world probably existed back then, too. And of course, you know, I'm only 25, but... uh, well, hard, well hard. I think people are going to do what they want to do, but, but I'm a firm believer if the man and woman are taking care of the home front, there's a reason to stray, no matter where you go. But if you're straying, there's a reason why you're straying. Well, you're, they're yeah. probably straying because they're not getting what they wanted from their yeah. wife, which yeah. is probably sex. Yeah. That or listening. It doesn't have to be sex all the time, Denise. It yes, it does. Stuff. It does yeah, not have to be absolutely. sex all the time. No one's going to go out and stray so can, can because she didn't listen. Just listen to me. Just listen to, listen, <laughs> listen to what I say. That's all I want. You listen to me. So, so you go to the conference. You meet a good-looking chick. He goes, can you come to my room just listen to me? Sit on the bed and just listen to me. Are you smoking pot over hold, there? I can't. Hold my hand. Rub my forehead and listen to me. That's all I want. Well, then you'd hire a hooker for that. But if you're working with <laughs> colleagues and stuff and everybody's blasted. And I've seen many of these people under highly intoxicated in situations. And so, no, I did not have a hard time wrapping my mind around that one. So moving on from that one, because we've been on this all day. So when you're living together, what's the signs that you have to, that it's time to leave the house? When it's time to separate? But, you know, but there's a lot of, a lot of couples stay together because, they, because financially they can't afford to separate. That is true. Um, And I think that's probably maybe age-related to a certain degree. And then you would probably have to agree mutually that you're living together for only this reason, and he and she can both go out and do what they want to do. I think from my friend who I just spent the weekend with, um, for him— And saved, by the way. you saved. And saved. I did save his life. I know. I was his angel. And I'm not saying that jokingly. It was a very— life-altering event that took place. But anywho, the thing is, is that I think if you feel as though, I mean, there's already going to be awkwardness just by the fact that you've moved into separate rooms. Yep. 
Okay, so right. once that happens, that takes a while to process for both people. You know, I mean, if you've if you've lived in the same room for twenty seven years and now one's down the hall, that's odd. You know. And then you have the things like, you know, breakfast or dinner, do they come home? Is that expectation that whoever's at home is going to cook the dinner? Let's just say it's the wife, whatever. Um, And then I think what happens is when it's the awkwardness becomes the norm, then one or the other does have to move out. Well, that's where communication comes in. Well, but in many cases, as with my friend, he says there is no communication. So, you know... I do. Are we even where we're at if communication was an issue? Probably not. No. If we communicate it well, then we probably wouldn't have sexual undertones, right? We Problems. Wouldn't be in this, we wouldn't have exactly. Be in this situation. So I think it's an easy thing to throw around. Oh, we're not communicating, or maybe we should. But I think if we were doing that well, everything else would have been secondary, and we wouldn't be in this position. Exactly. Hmm. How profound. So what about the couples that end up living together after the divorce because they can't afford to move apart? That's even a higher... I haven't met yeah. many like that, but I'm sure it, it's a question of, again, how big is your house? I mean, you know, there has to be a space where you can go to where you can recoup emotionally and physically, you know? So I don't know. For me, it didn't work well that way. I haven't met many people who do live together and just share the house, you know? I mean, what happens if you bring somebody home? I mean, it, it's it's odd. You put a rubber band on the on the uh, doorknob, kind of like college. A rubber band. On the doorknob, kind of like college. Okay, yep. just another thing I've learned from a man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had quite a few, not quite a few, I've had a few people come up to me since I'm divorced, and supposedly they think I'm a guru, but anyway, they come up to me. <laughs> And they said, you know, I'm sick of her or him. I'm thinking thinking about a divorce. And I look at him and say, hey, think about that hard. Because the divorce route is a lonely route. Mm -hmm. Just be prepared for being lonely and Mm -hmm. scared, afraid. So many emotions can overtake you. Well, and there are documented emotions that you go through. It's not a way to get out. Kind of like an escape hatch. You really got to think about that before you do it. Absolutely. Big well, time. And, and I think the thing is, is that <clears throat> you have to do the work. You have to do the time. You don't want to have, well, and even everybody told me as well, my spouse, the woman he was living with was a rebound. Well, clearly not. Now they're getting married. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so you could go back and analyze that. What are the reasons why? Blah, blah, blah. But on the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Yes. Yes. But it only doesn't matter at the end of the day after you've done the work. Because I'll be honest with you, there were times that once I found out about this and I, I had a really sense of, of no self-worth because I wasn't worth going to, uh, uh, what do you call it, therapy. I wasn't worth fighting over. So then that added for me another emotion to all of that you're going through anyhow, separation of family, of phys- you know, a property that you've bought together and the memories and the pictures and blah, blah, blah. And a, a piggyback on that is that people get, you want to tell people out there thinking about divorce, you get divorced and you go through counseling, you go through therapy, you go through recovery, and man, those emotions can come back and slap you upside the head at any time. Absolutely. I mean, it can be years later and they rise up and slap you silly. I think the thing, actually, that we just talked about this the other day, my girlfriend who went through a big portion of the divorce with me. When I just found out the other day that my ex had uh, proposed to the woman he's living with, 
I was talking to her and I says, you know, what's interesting is that there's always, I don't think you honestly ever walk away from the things that will trigger certain emotions, especially emotions that were developed while you were together with that person, good, bad, or otherwise. I think what's important then to use as a measurement is how long is it taking you to process it so that you can get up, be functional, and move on with your life. There was a time in the last four or five years that probably took me months where I could have talked about an episode over and over and over again. I see now personal growth. I talked about it with a couple of people who would give me, you know, honest response. And that was the end of it. So I went from months and months and months hanging on issues to where I probably got most of it done in like two hours. That personal growth. Exactly. Wow. Yep. All I want to know is how do you get your ex to propose to somebody? Let me know how that how that works. How you get your ex to propose to someone? Yeah, yeah. Give me the give me the uh, the elixir. The the. I don't understand what your question is. I didn't get him to propose. He proposed himself. Well, let me know how that works. I I need some of that. (laughs) (laughs) See where I'm going with that? Yeah. There we go. Help 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 me out. Help me help me. We need need to get some elixir or some some chloroform or something. Yeah. We need to figure that that shit out. Um, so once again, do all you can to, to stay married and when it's over, it's over. Oh, um, I have one more thing. Oh, just yes. one more thing real quickly. No, please. So in all of this, how important is it to know why you're getting divorced? Oh, man, that's another 20 minutes. Um, well, you know, my views on that, the why do. does it really matter? But the why can eat you up inside. But you went through it twice, so I'm willing to bet that the second time the why didn't matter, but it did matter the first time. It did. There we go. But if I went through it once, it still wouldn't matter at this point. Well, it doesn't matter because most people hopefully wouldn't be doing it two or three times before it actually became final. But initially, the why is important. Do you think there's any correlation between knowing what the why is and bringing closure I don't think so. That's just because you don't want to just be angry forever, do you, David? Oh, of course not, Denise. <laughs> you don't want to be angry forever. No, that that's just that just gives them space in your brain to be angry forever. But you do want to be succinct, and you don't. You know, some people are held hostage when their ex spouse doesn't tell them why. Yes, and I will never be held hostage for that because I don't care because I move on with my life. But to some people, that why is very important. Yep. So why is why do you think the why is important? Because I think as humans, <clears throat> we have that need to understand what is happening to us. Why did I not get promoted and you did, David? We have the same job. We're at the same company. Why did I find a partner and you didn't? Why did my ex find someone is getting married and I didn't? Stop shaking your head. These are questions that everybody asks. Tourette's, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, even when I was doing divorce recovery as a participant and as a facilitator, people need to understand because I think it's just that overwhelming. Now, maybe not after a year or so, you probably could say, oh, it was just a schmucker. But when you've spent a couple, two to three decades with someone and you've had kids and blah, blah, blah. I think it's important. But you, will you happens? always get the answer? Maybe not. But what happens if that person never tells you why? Do you worry about it forever? Do you let it go? Do you have to let it go at at, at some point? Well, 
I think you do have to let it go. I think, unfortunately, for that person, he or she will struggle and it will take longer or if or if at all. That could be a reason why somebody could have a hard time reconnecting with someone else. Because they take that old relationship and kind of. Well, and I think it also comes back with a sense of self-worth. You know, if somebody said, oh, we're getting divorced because you were never around or you screwed around, then you have something to wrap your mind around and says, oh, well, you know, and then because I think that's how the brain works. It processes. But if they get divorced and never tell you why, it's a whole different story. That's what you're saying. That's horrible. Yeah. I think it's selfish. I think they owe it to you to tell you. Yep. But they don't want to tell you. Kick rocks. And That's you know why I, I think why somebody would possibly do that is because it's a form of manipulation and control. Guilt. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a form of control. Mm-hmm. They they have you. You keep coming back to the well. Yep. Yep. The okay. mental well. Because when they need you, then sometimes they, they use the you. Bucket. They drop the bucket. <laughs> say, hey, I'm going to tell you one day. Oh, not today. Exactly. I can't tell you today. <laughs> but, but can you scratch my back? Can you rub my toes? No. And so, I yeah. think I think that is unkind. And I think for all of us who have gone through a divorce, and for those of you who are perhaps it's down your in your future, down your path, is that it, I, I think it's important to maintain a certain standard. I mean, it, it, once you start participating in being ugly back and forth, that oh, you have to take that you have to take with you. I thoroughly agree with that. You know, no matter how ugly the other person gets. You got to stand your ground, be firm, but you got to be fair. Absolutely. Fairness, I think, will go a lot farther than being a jackass and or trying to get ahead, trying to get more than the other. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. Right. Absolutely. Because karma is a bitch. And that is true. And I believe in that. Karma comes around just as OJ. He (laughs) was getting out. He was in jail, what, nine years? A long time, I think, at least that much. Just as OJ, man, I call the OJ principle. You know, what comes around goes around. Absolutely. And I think for me personally, if I was to drop dead tomorrow, like I told my kids, there isn't a text or an email or a written word where I've said something ugly. Now, I've said it to people who I can trust, but I haven't done anything that doesn't support my integrity. And for that, for me, for my peace of mind, that's worth money. And with that, I, David? I can't say anything t- to that, but we're going to go, go ahead and end on that. <laughs> <laughs> integrity. So is that low integrity, medium integrity, high integrity? All three levels. All three levels. Okay. Kind of right. like intimacy. <laughs> well, we want to thank Denise for coming over. You know, we really enjoy her, her uh, interesting views and comments and I was just told the other night that I have high emotional intelligence. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. You got to like the way that sounds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we look forward to having Denise back on the show and talking about divorce and all sorts of topics. So you guys take care. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Have a nice evening. Bye.